0: Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey,
1: welcome back, everybody. Hot day today. Not going to get better. It's going to get worse this week. Going to be terrible. We are five inches behind in the amount of rain we need so far this year. Way behind by the month and worse for the year. So make your effort count. Are you well mulched? Your trees, your flower beds, your vegetable garden. Mulch covers the soil to help keep it cooler. Acts like a um, shade cloth. Mulch, while keeping the soil cooler, also prevents moisture from evaporating too fast. That means when you do water, you're getting the most you can out of the water. You always want to water low, slow. You want to try to apply the water as close to the ground as you can to start with because when you're using those sprinklers, uh, you're blowing water into the 100-degree air. That'll make it evaporate, and you will lose much of the water you're putting down simply to the air. You want to slow soak. You do not want to do any watering where you're watering, you're watering, and suddenly water is running off. Stop. Stop. You're wasting water if it's running off. Come back again later. Water till you start to get runoff on the mornings of your watering, and then at night when you can water again, come water that area again to get the amount of water you need on the ground. It's difficult for some folks to be able to manage that, I know, but no matter how much you water concrete, it will not grow. And that's what we wind up doing too much. If you come up to your home and you look out on the street where the gutter is and it's full of water that track right back to your house, you're wasting it. You're not helping anyone definitely wasting money because you're using water that you're paying for but it's not doing anything for you and uh that gets to be that gets to be pretty bad whoa uh just saw a, a big red bell pepper one of ours And it sure looks good. A lot of folks are sending notes about my tomatoes look terrible. How can I save them? I'll tell you the short answer. You can't. All right. If you're still getting tomatoes produced. Right. They're actually putting on fruit for you. Congratulations. It's probably a cherry type tomato. And you'll notice they're a little smaller than normal. If you have tomatoes and they're turning yellow, the leaves are starting to curl up or fall off, especially at the bottom, that's possibly a wilt. That's a disease. And at that stage, it's not worth the effort to do much to them because they're gonna, they stop producing tomatoes already. Um, and your tomatoes with the little pits on them, those are birds. <laughs> they have, uh, they have attacked your tomatoes and tried to poke a hole in them. Simple idea, pick them when they're not so red. The color doesn't determine the ripeness for tomatoes. You can pick them when they're still green and let them ripen inside. They'll be just the same tomato, just as tasty. So pick them early so the birds can't take them. So you don't lose them to squirrels or who knows what else is out there running around. But at this point of the year, to have any tomatoes produced in this kind of heat would kind of be a miracle. Like I said, the small cherry tomatoes are probably doing just fine. But the big slicers, they're like, nah, we give up. You may, if they're indeterminate, cut off all of the dead cut the the tomato back some and water and fertilize it now until fall it'll regrow it'll get to be a big tomato and you may get fruit in the fall remember it needs to be a determinant type tomato now the varieties that people are using, they're they're not big fans of this heat. Texas is not tomatoes all year. No matter how much you think, well it's not freezing out, they'll be growing. No, they won't. No, they won't. The nighttime temperatures are the identifiers. When we stay above about 72 degrees at night, when our low temperature at night is above 72, you will start to see these plants quit producing. It has to do with the heat stress they suffer. When we drop back to nights that are below 72, they'll start producing tomatoes again. If you have tomatoes on the vine now and they're red or getting there, pick them. Don't sacrifice them to the birds or squirrels or possums or raccoons or whatever else is eating them. Picking them early, they can ripen in the house. They'll turn beautiful red for you, no problem. Leave them on the counter. Don't put them in the fridge to ripen up. But right now, nobody's getting great tomatoes. If you are, we really don't want to hear about it because we're jealous, okay? But the rest of us are not managing our tomatoes. I'm going to let mine continue, though I don't know why. I was going to cut mine back. I think I'm going to cut mine down. Start new tomato seeds of the varieties I want. And I'll plant the starts around Labor Day. I'm going to plant a cover crop in my tomato bed once I cut the tomatoes down. That way, when I have tomatoes ready to put in, I will have much better soil. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um, I'm up against a break. I'll catch you on the other
0: side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Elizabeth. What can I help you with?
2: Good morning, Jeff. Uh, let's see. I recently found out that there is a fish fertilizer that. Desirable and a fish fertilizer that's not so desirable. Can you tell me anything about that?
1: No. What are they basing the desirable on?
2: Oh, it's
1: what it's derived from. Fish. and (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if they're fish fertilizers, they're derived from fish.
2: Well, right, but... Um, Okay, never mind I guess this will be fine Um, My other question is I've got two Straw bales that I'd like To use for mulch, they're really old They've been sitting in a shed for Oh, five years Maybe longer Um, Is there any reason I should be concerned about using that To mulch my tomatoes And vegetable plants
1: I don't believe so. Now, when you go to tear it apart, you may find some white fluffy stuff in it. That's just the, the, the bale breaking down. Nature's decomposing it. But use thin layers, and it should be okay, especially if it's over five years old. Even if there were chemicals on it, they would have broken down by now. So, yeah, yeah that, that's a that good was my way to concern. put to
2: use. You know, I never know if it's made you know, with herbicides and pesticides, and I don't know
1: how you'd know. Yeah, you wouldn't if you, unless you got it tested, and the test is expensive. So yeah. Yeah. after that period of time, yeah, that's probably perfectly fine to use. Now, Elizabeth, speaking of the fish stuff, there's really only two differences into how they make fish fertilizer. One is, sorry for the grossness, but basically they take all the leftover pieces of fish after they cut it up to make fish sticks out of it, and they throw it in a blender and hit the button and whir it up, run it through some filters, and they get all the liquid out. That's a... That, that is an, a, a fish emulsion. The other one is they take all the pieces of fish that are left over, they throw it in a tank, and they cover it with, let's see, I think they cover it with um, phosphoric acid. So they break it down, they neutralize it so it won't be nasty coming out, and they get a different nutrient out of the fish than they do when they use the blender. Now, I have simplified the idea. Probably the people who make it are pulling their hair out going, no, 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 no. That's about as simple as I understand the process. One is really just basically blended fish. It's like the old Saturday Night Live sketch uh, with the Bassomatic 5000. Or they have it in a tank and they are basically dissolving it in acid to break it down and make it fluid.
2: That's the one I have. And the nutrient is, uh, it shows five one one. one one But uh, yep. I guess I won't be afraid of it. So <laughs> I think the other kind is for some reason more beneficial. But anyway,
1: thank you it so much. You bet. Depends on what you're trying to grow. If you'll notice the numbers, 511 on the other one it's like uh 241. So they uh-huh. have different values to them. Okay, well
2: that's helpful.
1: Yeah, both are good. Both are good. Both smell really bad, but they're both good. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And the and the dogs will really go after anything you put it on. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had that problem when I had it too. Uh, uh-huh. No accounting, <laughs> case. So, but either one of them work great. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks. Um, There's some arguments about well, this fertilizer has this. This fertilizer has that. That's okay. There are, uh, I I picked up a fertilizer the other day and it said it was a crepe myrtle fertilizer. And rather than being 511 or the 241, this one was 555-2. No fertilizer needs to have those kind of digits to grow your plants, okay? The fish emulsions, whether they blended it or they soaked it in acid, you get different chemicals out of the fish. The emulsified ones tend to be higher in nitrogen. That's that five number. The washed in acid ones tend to have a higher middle number. That's a residual of the acid they're using. Both are fine. Both will do what you need them to do. Uh, They have that lovely smell about them, and they both fertilize the soil as much as they do your plant. They give all these nutrients to the soil biology And the soil biology is actually what does the work to keep a plant fed and happy. The more soil biology you have, the better the soil is at retaining water, making nutrients available, giving you that tilt of your soil that doesn't feel like you're trying to dig through pure clay. So, That's the big differences between fish emulsions. There's one other unintended benefit for fish emulsion. By default, fish contain a lot of oil. When they make the fish emulsions, if you foliar feed, you put an oily product on the leaf and that can kill a lot of insects that can uh, suffocate aphids. For example, that will attack white flies. That will act as a somewhat of a very mild pesticide that also feeds the plant. Now, like Elizabeth said, it smells horrid. It is not the most pleasant smelling stuff in the world unless you're a dog, they seem for some reason to love it. But it's a good product, it's a very good fertilizer. Um, When I have it, I love it because it does such a good job keeping my citrus happy. But it is a good fertilizer and like I said, you get that unintended benefit that it can act as um, pest control. Spraying it on the plant, spraying it on the bug, can suffocate the bug and grow the plant. What better opportunity is that? Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're at the bottom of the hour. Um, we're going to take a break for the news. I'll catch you on the other side.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Oh, man. Do we ever get a break from the hot weather? You know, I wouldn't mind it being this hot if it would rain once in a while, although that would mean it would be hot and humid. So it sure seems to start the mornings out pretty darn humid. Anyway, um... in the garden get out early in the day if you're doing gardening work the issue is going to be it's going to get hot fast and we've got solar index is through the roof so water for you water for the wildlife put up bird baths put a bird bath flush to the ground so that things like rabbits and squirrels and the other wildlife can come get a drink. Water your soil, not the plant, water the soil to get it a good deep soaking. You want a slow soak. No runoff. That's just wasting your water. So a nice slow soaking to get it down there nice and deep. Your goal should be to wet the soil to at least four inches deep, especially for your turf grasses. The longer the roots, the healthier the grass will be because it can reach water. Roots will go to where the water goes. So... If you water and you get the soil wet to four inches, guess what? You're going to have a four-inch plant root. That's going to mean your plant's roots are going to be in the cooler part of the soil and deeper down where they can get nutrients. So slow watering with no runoff. How do you know when it's running off? If you're watering a piece of... If you're watering a piece of ground and suddenly it starts to show it's shiny, that's because it's backing up the water. You're putting water on the ground faster than the ground can suck it up. That's how we get flash flood. So uh, you want it to stay looking like soil, not to turn this, slick looking uh, water on top of the soil the minute it does that stop, stop watering you're not accomplishing anything you're wasting water come back 20 minutes later or later in the day even you let that first bit of water soak in till it couldn't soak in anymore and then you go and put more water down, which will actually soak in faster and deeper, and you will reach your target. Long roots reduce the amount of uh, water wasted. The longer the roots, the greater the top growth, because nutrients, oxygen, uh, Necessary fertilizers, water, all of those things are available to the plant, which makes it grow at its best source, best conditions, and that gives you a better, richer, thicker turf. You will see that your veggies, of course, grow better. When you water with a sprinkler system, well, for one, the water you spray a lot of it evaporates before it hits the ground studies have shown that up to one third of the water that comes out of the sprayer never gets to the soil so if you can soak the ground slowly that water gets to the soil that may mean you need to run those sprinklers a lot longer than say 13 minutes you know you've got a zone that, oh, we're just going to spray here. You're basically simply washing your car windshield. You're really not getting anything into the soil. So, if you have to water twice a day because you're on restrictions, that's how you get water into the soil. Now, someone's going to tell me the water restrictions where they live, don't let them do that. I'm sorry that that's the situation, but that's the exact example example as to why we have problems. Water is precious, and we're not getting enough of it from rain. Uh, I think San Marcos went to stage three water restrictions. Stage four is you don't get to water your lawn, period. Turn your sprinklers off. So use it correctly now so that there will be water in the future for you. It's going to be a tough year this year. Between the temperatures, um, the lack of rain, we're also going to have a really high fire risk. And, folks, that's uh, it's one of the bad things that we have in this part of the country. If you weren't here during the Bastrop fires, you need to talk to somebody who was so that it can explain to you how bad it got, how, much, how many homes we lost, how much property was destroyed, how many trees we lost. We, it, it could take us 100 years to recover all the trees that were uh, lost as in planting them and growing them back to the uh, size they were before the fire. Water correctly. The better you do with this, the less water you're gonna need. You may get down to a situation where you water very very careful choices. Some plants Uh, They're they're surviving. I'm not going to water them this week. These plants over here, they get water. That's why I noticed when someone mentioned that they were watering their 60-year-old crepe myrtle once a week. Boy, that's not necessary. I have at least 30-year-old, 30-foot crepe myrtles that I do not supplemental water and never have. That includes 2011, one of our driest years in decades. So use that water carefully. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. need to take a break. We'll be right back.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> you know, you can get some really beautiful blooms even in this terrible weather. I passed uh, Pride of Barbados the other day um, and you could hardly tell there was any green on it. it was nothing but blooms. It was so beautiful. And I thought it was a little early in the year already for it to show up, but I didn't complain. It looks so good. Uh, th- those are coming up. Uh, passed in Esperanza, Esperanza, the Texas Yellow Bells the other day. That looked great, too. Lots and lots of blooms on, bright yellow color. It was very, very pretty. There are plants that will produce in this heat. Right now I have a plant (laughs) in one of my garden beds, and I didn't notice it because if you're not standing in exactly the right place, you can't really see it. Uh, It's a flame acanthus, and I know why they call it flame. The whole thing is just all red with the blooms it has it has done so well really really happy with it so are my hummingbirds um it's kind of funny when you see two hummingbirds fighting over the same flower and there's like a zillion blooms on the plant there's plenty to share nope hummingbirds don't do the share thing they are very territorial but They sure love that plant. Uh, I just got a text here and it's do cantaloupe and watermelon have a fall crop? No, I need to explain that. You're getting cantaloupe. You're getting watermelon. Now they produce the best sugars in the plant when it's this hot in the fall. They may still be producing watermelons or cantaloupes, but they won't be as tasty as the ones that come out of summer. They won't have quite the sugar to them and they may be kind of bland. Now, the longer we have hot weather and good sun, well, you should be getting good melons. However, once we start cooling off, when we start having the cooler nights, that's going to be when your watermelons are kind of bland. You may not want to take up space with them, same with your cantaloupes, but right now, they are probably just stellar performers they're They should be nice and sweet uh Growing like crazy, doing a good job. As for pollination problems, okay. Uh, First off, melons will produce male flowers only. Okay. It's wondering if it's not an adaptation to try to get pollinators to find you plenty early then they will start producing female or uh, flowers with fruit you need you can do the pollinating take a q-tip with you go out early in the morning usually before 10 in the morning And if there aren't pollinators flying around, you can take the uh, Q-tip and rub pollen on it from the male flower and then stick the the Q-tip into the flower of the female fruit. You are being the bee. You're rubbing pollen from the male to the female to encourage fruit production. Now, that may not be everybody's cup of tea that may be timing problems things like that but that is how you can improve your pollination and get more fruit other than that make sure you have not just watermelon and cantaloupe flowers have other flowers growing in your garden uh Any kind of flower that draws in a bee, a wasp is a pollinator. Ants can be pollinators. There are all kinds of flying insects that will crawl around and get pollen on them and carry it from plant to plant. So the more flowers you have, the more of these pollinators that are around. Sometimes you can simply let your existing garden plants flower. Those of you who are growing cilantro probably noticed that the cilantro bloomed, white flowers. Your parsley, uh, your dill, these plants may produce blooms. Well, they're drawing in all kinds of bugs, good bugs, other pollinators. And if you have these growing in your garden with your watermelons or your cantaloupe, guess what? They're going to see that. So you will be able to draw more pollinators to your garden. And you don't have to plant flowers. You can just let some of your plants flower. Um, I had arugula in my garden the minute it started flowering, I couldn't I, I couldn't figure out where all the bees came from. They loved it. So you can try the difference. You can try that to figure out uh, how to get more pollinators. Follow up question here is how do you know the difference between a male flower and a female flower? Mr. Google will be your friend on that one. But that being said, the male flower has no fruit on the stem. A female flower will have the flower and directly behind that flower will be a really small version of the fruit you're producing, whether it's a cantaloupe, a watermelon, um, a squash, that tells you what's the female flower. The one with the fruit. The one with no fruit, that's a male flower. You gotta have them for the pollen but that's about it you know we want those female flowers with fruit on them and if you pollinate them yourself you will increase your yield very simple to do a simple q-tip will uh let you transfer the pollen between the two flowers and you should wind up with more fruit on the particular vines. So if you're having problems with that, try that routine. The other one is to make sure that everything you can in your garden can flower is flowering. That will help you out more than anything. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally coming up at the top of the hour, breaking for the news. I will talk to you all again tomorrow. You all have a great day.